Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We are coming at you at Wednesday, which is our usual time, and both of the usual suspects are here. Kobe, how are we doing today? Fantastic. That's what I like to hear. And Danny, are you having a good day? We're, we're about to get to my favorite part of the day, so it's all upwards from here. Attaboy. See, that's that's the mentality right there. We live for this. We live for this stuff. So keep supporting us, smashing the like button wherever that is, following us wherever we can possibly get followed. We actually appreciate each and every one of you. And all of the Twitter engagements we're aware. We like love seeing the names pop up and the regulars. So shout out to all of you. We love it. But I think it's time for a recap, gents. So we're recapping UFC Vegas, Kobe. Drum roll, please. 51. Six. I wouldn't even bet on that. I would have said four, but I would have said not really one track. Track this week. Uh, like some Twitter thread about how it's kind of just stupid that we're calling them UFC Vegas something because there's all these pay per view cards that are happening in Vegas. So he was calling it UFC Apex or UFC Fight Night 103. But they're also not doing a good job of, like, letting us know what number it is. Like, it's not on the promotion. It's a million different things. It could be UFC yeah. Fight Night name versus name. It could be UFC Fight Night number. It could be UFC Apex something. And if you look throughout history, if you look throughout history, um, UFC's always been super confusing. It's like UFC on Fox 1, UFC Fight Night 226. Like, it's, it's out of control. Let's not get bogged down. Yeah, let's get into it. So here we go. We're getting Bogdanovich. All right. So I wanted to, I'm going to skip a couple of fights, but it's actually going to be hard because there were so many good ones. So the first one was a sweet submission by Aaron Blanchfield over JJ Aldridge. It was a standing guillotine choke, which, you know, that was a submission that we didn't see. And now we've seen two in the last, what, two months with uh, Andrade over Lemos and now Aaron Blanchfield here. I mean, it was a phenomenal performance. Obviously Blanchfield came in with a, with a relative with an extremely high line and it shows she warrants it. And I know that a little rumblings throughout the week, Dan, is that she's she wants to be the one to dethrone Valentina Valentina, who's fighting this week. Yeah, and there was a little bit where wherever Blanfield betters and people with Blanfield and Parlays were sweating. Aldrich definitely looked like the bigger, stronger woman and uh was giving Blanchfield some trouble until she got that submission. So good good on Blanche for turning it around. Yeah, and size is, you know me, I harp on size all the time. Okay, this one's also big news, the, the second one. this. So you know how usually people say cards are top-heavy? This one almost felt bottom-heavy. A lot of great ones off the rip. So Renat Fokardinov, who Dan and I were talking about how we don't know because he was untapable, uh, pretty dominantly just destroys Andres Mikolaitis. And this actually led to Mikolaitis getting a cut, which on fight night I mentioned on Twitter that you know, it sucks because I hope they don't cut him just because he's, he took on Alex Pereira. He now took on a, a newcomer, Fakardinov, who's obviously highly touted. Felt like he got a raw deal, but so anyways, he got cut, I think, yesterday or two days ago. But, I mean, dude, Fakardinov is a guy to look – I mean, what the – he mowed through him. Yeah, 
looked like there was zero resistance. I'm excited to see him against as much as I, I agree with you, I don't think Andreas should have been cut right away. I'm excited to see or not against someone maybe a little bit more of a contender than Andreas. No, I agree. And I think, I mean, what's interesting too is like I, he was wrestle heavy, but he, he implements more damage than a, a guy that you, you know, some of these Dagestani guys who, who kind of smother you, he smothers with, with a high propensity, propensity for damage. Um, Jeff Molina, Zumagulov split decision. I scored it for Zumagulov, but I also rode him as a dog, Dan, as we talked about last week, felt a little robbed. That one was an interesting one because I mean, it, it comes down to just like, you never know what the judges are looking for. Zalgis, I thought, controlled the cage more and was kind of dictating. I, I'm really re- referring to the third round here because I thought that was the more decisive what it came down to. Mm-hmm. But I thought Jeff Molino landed the more damaging stuff. And so I I, I don't know. I, I thought the 30-27 scorecard that came out was a bad scorecard for Jeff right? Molino. But um, I don't disagree so much with where this fight went. Well, another thing that kind of made the rounds was the fact that once they once it read once they read 3027, Molina walked off as if he lost because everybody in there except that one judge scored, I believe, round two for Zumagulov. So it was like I don't it continues to be a problem that we seemingly talk about week in, week out. Tony Gravely comes in humongous, Gravely comes in humongous and knocks out Johnny Munoz Jr. Johnny Munoz Jr., did he get cut too, or was that someone different? There was another big profile cut that happened. Not Johnny Munoz. Not Johnny. Okay, so Johnny Munoz Jr., but he gets absolutely stouched by Gravely with one of the best short hooks I've ever seen. It was so short. The travel distance was, like, honestly inches. Shows the power that that our boy packs for – Yeah, absolutely. And people were talking all week about the submission threat that Johnny Munoz was. How about Tony just saying, I mean, it doesn't even have to go there. It'll turn your lights out right, right when you're shooting. Yeah, it was incredible. The other thing, too, is it's like Munoz was making a push into Gravely's – I mean, Gravely is a wrestler. He prefers to wrestle. We talk about it with him all the time, that his foundation is wrestling. To see the hands coming along the way they are, dude, the fact that they keep putting him on the earlier side of these cards is a disservice. He is as entertaining as they come and as talented as they come. So looking forward to catch up with him on this bout, hopefully and- our ankle lock this week and our ankle lock yes, which sir. is, which is cash. when dan and i saw that line and the fact that it was going in the opposite direction that, that was one of the easiest bets i've ever had to place um that line definitely steamed down um damon jackson wind i mean he did nothing impressive i really thought he, he should have gotten the finish there that was my big complaint ran out of great. gas completely i know he looked great for for a good i mean a good portion of the fight but for a guy minus 700 against a newcomer not being able to get that finish there especially with all that back time. I don't know. Yeah, Joe Selecki, majority decision over Alex De Silva. That one I also saw for Joe Selecki, but a little bit more of a uh, nerve-wracking card there because he got dropped. I scored that as a draw, actually. I remember uh, that. I had Joe as the only only winning the second round. On, I gave there, Alex one and three. Was there a point taken? There was. Draft, right? forever. Yeah. Take it. Way too long. So I scored that round that got the point deduction, a 10-8, which then seemingly made it a 10-7 with the point deduction. So okay. I had it as whatever the fuck that adds up to. I can't remember now. Um, okay, Carolina Kovalkiewicz. This is actually news. She beats Fleece Harrigan. This fight is, you know, people were wondering how the hell did it become 
the prelim Kurt capper. It's because Felice Herrig announced her retirement. She's been a long time foundational person in this women's uh, UFC. She was on the ultimate fighter. She announced her retirement. And then Carolina Kovacavich, who hasn't won in seemingly forever. And it came out that she was going to announce her retirement. If she lost, she got a win and it now feels good. And I think she made it switched over to American top team. They do great work over there as we know. So it, a fight that seemingly was not a big deal and kind of a waste of time ended up having a little bit of a storyline to it, but I don't know if it's anything to write home about. Alonzo Manyfield beats the guy with the, the ever-changing record in Morzarov. Mascar. Askar Maskarov. Uh, but, you know, I've never seen Alonzo. I mean, Alonzo Manyfield comes off as a pretty chipper, smiley guy. He was mean mugging the whole time for that post-fight interview. He was not happy, but dominating win. Um, and I, I took him to finish or to win inside the distance with that Von Flume being a possibility. I took him to win inside the distance and it, it came easily. I, I don't think we see Asker again. He's kind of, I don't even know how we saw him the first time. It makes me think Dana White owes someone money over there. Yeah, I agree. Ode Osborne, dude. Holy shit. Another power in the hands for a 125er. And he knocked out Zaruk Adeshev, who falls to four and four. We probably will not see him again either. But holy shit, dude. What what are these small guys have absolute I mean, and you were someone who was lukewarm on Ode. You said you wanted to see more out of him. Do you still feel that way? Because I have always kind of liked him. I think his speed is incredible. If this power is actually coming along, I mean, obviously you can always just hit someone on the button, but if his power is actually coming along, we're looking at a, a legitimate contender at 25 with that speed. We really definitely, are. Definitely. I agree. I mean, that was not what I saw coming, and I, I agree with you. I, that was really impressive. I'm looking forward yeah. to him as a contender. Incredible. 50K for Ode Osborne, first bonus of the night. Okay, I was about to say, so, okay, so I feel like Manyfield kind of got robbed a wee bit, but that's okay. And honestly, Gravely, too. Gravely. Yeah, he got screwed, too. Um, Kareem Silva, Darce choke first round over the returning Polina Botello. I mean, Botello took two years off, ring rust. I, I'm only mentioning this because the submission was sweet. It was a Darce choke. Um, it, it, the submission skills were impressive, but, you know, I it's too early for both. I mean, for Silva, she made her UFC debut too early to make any noise right, right now. And then Batello's just coming back and wasn't really a mainstay anyways. So, you know, I'm kind of mixed all, all around on that fight. Mm-hmm. Lucas Almeida. Hold up, bonus for Karina Silva. Okay. Welcome newcomer. She's got a little bit of walking around money. Welcome to the big show. Lucas Almeida. KOs Mike Trezano. This is one that I did not see going this way. Lucas Almeida making his UFC debut after a loss on Contender Series. Taking on a guy in Mike Trezano who had a great fight out. It was a couple fights ago, but it was. Phenomenal. And this one's got to be a fight of the night, right, Combe? Yep, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, this one was a this one was a slugfest, but wow, man! Oh, and the accidental clash of heads made for a leaky Trezano. But Whether yeah, that played a factor or not, I don't know. I mean, how impressed were you from Almeida? I think I tweeted out into that second round. Like Incredible. he's already gassed. I can see it, and he never actually did. Never lost a step, just kept coming, carried that power through the final 15. I mean, it was awesome. Incredible. And he's kind of someone who's flown under the radar because of his contender series loss. So when people lose a contender series or or even make it to contender series, it's where they kind of get a name for themselves. Then when they lose, it's like, oh, we might never see this guy again. Gets a quick win on the uh, regional circuit. When he comes back, I'm like not thinking much of him. I actually like that Trezano spot as a parlay ad. 
Um, I honestly think I did get sucked into that as a part. I think that was my last leg of a parlay, to be honest with you, and I got caught. So that sucked. All right, Dan. This one is the storyline, I think, of the evening. Uh, Dan Ige, the right-hand agent man, gets absolutely stouched for three rounds from Mozart um, Evelev. And the reason why I want to talk about this one in particular and with you is we've both kind of dismissed him because he hasn't fought that perfect fight yet in the UFC. Dare I say that this was the perfect fight in the UFC for him? He looked phenomenal both on the feet. I mean, that knee that he caught Ige with in the first drops anyone else. Knocks anyone else. Sure. Um, you know, it was a shutout. You're completely right. This is exactly yeah. what we've been looking for since since he came into the UFC. I mean, he showed that Dagestani wrestling and that Tiger Muay Thai, that's as lethal of a combination as you can get. And if he rounds out those edges and figures out a, a great way to just put on that Danny Ige performance, I don't know who beats him at 145, and I don't care how stacked that division is. Right. I mean, so I, I this is actually interesting that you said that because I was kind of thinking about the 145, and I was looking at that uh, performance from um, Movzar, currently 28. So obviously he's got a big window to be able to do this. But like, I still think those top four guys really, I know he called out Arnold Allen, which I think is a great fight. But those top four guys from Cater to Volkanovsky, I don't know if he can compete yet. Like I almost want him to continue to work his way up. I think Bryce uh, Mitchell would be an awesome fight. Think Moves are be favorite. I think Giga could be a good fight. I mean, any even Yaya Rodriguez could be a good fight, but Movzar is gonna have a tough journey to the top. But this was a very, very encouraging performance. Yeah. The follow-up question, because it's a double-edged sword here, is what's next for Ige? One and four in his last five. But I mean, like we mentioned, he fights absolute killers. He fought Cater, Korean Zombie, Emmett, and now Evelev. I mean. Do you do you give him a tune-up fight at 45? I mean, he shouldn't Does be. tune-up fight exist at 45? I mean, unless he dips all the way out of the rankings. I mean, he's you're still getting a guy now. like Barboza or, or he already beat Barboza. I think I think Sadiq Yusuf would be a good fight for him. I think he wins that fight. Sadiq did not look that good against uh Caceres. I agree. I think Sadiq's the odd man out in this top 15. Or what about what about like a Cub Swanson? I mean, that's a tune-up fight, and he's a legend, can get it back on track. I wouldn't anyway, that. There's, there's a lot of interesting matchups to be made, but I, I really hope they don't get rid of Ige because if they do, I imagine he's just going to go straight into management game and that's it. You know what I mean? So we'll see. Um, and then the main event, Andre uh, or Alexander Volkov versus um, Biggie Boy, Jarzino Rosenstroik. I mean, the only real – I mean, so first off, for those who are listening to this, I know you've seen it, but basically Volkov TKO'd him in the first round. There was a questionable stoppage around Herb Dean. I think that's what I want to table right now. What did you guys think of that stoppage first off? I, I thought it was a great stoppage. I was okay. standing right next to Kobe when it happened. And, um, I mean, you're looking at it from the camera angle, and his mouthpiece goes flying. That's, he drops that to one my thing. Volkov yeah. is still swinging. And I'm standing, and even before Herb stops it, I'm like, you got to stop the fight. I mean, it's just as, as bad of optics as you could possibly get. And I know that Biggie Boy wasn't completely out. But you can't just, like, have your mouthpiece go flying and then drop and continue to get wailed on without defending yourself and expect to continue. I don't care if your chin's made yeah. of steel or not. That's just not what's going to happen. See, I think the massive problem or the biggest problem 
is Herb Dean's just super indecisive. Like he kind of is like one foot in, one foot out. We've seen him touch fighters and then back away. Like he just, he needs to just rip it off like a Band-Aid. And if it's the wrong call, live with it. The mouthpiece is where I was like, okay, makes it a little bit, because I mean, two more shots. You could talk about Biggie Boy losing some teeth and getting knocked out cold. You don't need that. Volkov was going to finish him. So I agree. Stoppage wasn't bad, but all in all, Volkov, you know, I think this fight showed that Tom Aspinall really is just that dude. You know what I mean? It's more that Tom Aspinall is that dude than that Volkov is washed. I completely agree. So I'm glad we'll see Tom Aspinall wear gold sooner than later. He might be a guy that uh, I'm hitting at the very end of the year when we're talking about um, futures for the heavyweight division. I know it's a little bit congested up there right now. It's just like, who knows what's going on with Francis, Cyril, Cyril, John, Steve, a lot of names. I think at the end of the year, we're going to get a good price on future Tom Aspinall at the end of 2023. Who would you back in like an Aspinall Blades fight? I don't know, dude. The the gif that we saw from Aspinall seems like it's it's real. I still, I still think Blades is my front runner to hold gold in that division. I think everyone struggles with him. I mean, seeing how Cyril handled Francis's top game, Cyril's fucked. I mean, but looking looking at how Blades handled Volkov, how Aspinall handled Volkov. Well, Blades still dominantly destroyed him over five rounds. I mean, it was a it was a shutout for sure, but it's not like Volkov was getting up like. With, with damage on his face or with, with any kind of, like, hurt, worse for wear. He was just getting, like, controlled. Volkov ran through him and got the finish like it was nothing. So here's, here's where I think we leave a pin in this. Heavyweight has notoriously been a weak division, definitely top-heavy. I think we're starting to see the end of that. I know John Jones is always lurking, even if he doesn't come back. But if he does, that's an added wrench. Stipe is looking to make his return. And then you got Blades – Francis, Cyril, now Aspinall. We're, we're in for – oh, and um, what the fuck's his name? He just absolutely destroyed a guy. He's um, big Russian, just mauled somebody on short notice. I, I cannot believe I'm drawing a blank on his name. It's so – I'm Rakimov? No. Romanov? Romanov. Okay. I like that call out. I don't think he's quite on the same level as an Aspinall or a Blade. Not yet, yet but I like he's, like, he's fringe. Like, he's right there. But he's also – And he's made all the body changes, too. He's also somebody who – yeah, that is true. But he's also somebody who, you know, two years ago when the heavyweight division was weak, he's top two perennially. You know what I mean? Like, it's just showing that it's starting to fatten out a little bit. Okay. I think that's it for recap. We can close the books on that one. Kobe, take over news and notes. I hope we didn't run long. What's our runtime on this, John? No, we're chilling. That wasn't too bad. Good. I don't want Um, the listeners to get annoyed. And we don't have a ton of news and notes this week, and we hit on a lot of them already. Um, I also didn't even add Tuivasa, sorry, or Black Beast Lewis. Lots of names. I know that's totally random, but I was just thinking, and it was Alexander Romanov. You guys are dead on the mark. All right, now go ahead. Now I'm done. We have one more cut from this week's card, and it was Alex Da Silva. Alex De Silva, mm. not Johnny Munoz. Okay. And right. isn't he only 0 2 in the in the promotion so far? I'll tell you right now. He is he only 0 2 and he was pretty touted, but 0 and 2 and or I'm sorry. He's one and three. Mm. He's young enough. I think he's still like 25, 26 if you're looking at the page, Kobe. Um, but I, I think that we'll see him back if, if he gets a couple wins on regional scenes. 
Um, a more disappointing news. Askar Askarov and Alex Perez is canceled. Askarov injury. Saw that. Alex Perez has obviously had really tough luck. Hasn't fought since, what, 2018 at this point and just canceled about it. Was his last fight for, like, the belt? I think so. And it was a quick guillotine tap out, which was, like, not even a good shot at it. Because you know, It was short notice. It wasn't even like he got a full camp. I feel like it was a quick turnaround. Um, yeah. Well, you know he's better than that performance he showed. So it's like – it's just like you, you you hate to see a guy and then two years off. How many canceled bouts, Kobe? I don't know if you have the tapology in front of you. It but was I know five or six. Yeah. He's had a tough go as of recent. But, you know, Marab doesn't fight either, so not a big deal. Um, one fight announcement, Cheeto Vera, Dom Cruz. And I know that might not be totally finalized, but we have a date on it. August 13th, crossing our fingers for that one. That's that's a fun. I saw a video of Cheeto this week back in Ecuador here. He's just a legend. There you go. That's think- one. Yeah, yes. That's one less. There's two less opponents from Rob now. I know I heard rumblings that it was going to be Marab uh, Dom. So and I think that uh the rumor was also that's going to take place in San Diego, which could be a, a fun fight night location. Um Really, the last I mean, that, that was kind of all the news and notes. There was some chatter this week that Dana was open to a Khabib Tony tough coaching matchup. I saw that, but which would be awesome. I obviously would, that would mean that Khabib would have to get back in the octagon, which I don't know that any of us are banking on by any means. But that kind of just made me think, and I, I'm putting you all on the spot here what would be the most fun, tough matchups for you guys? A, want- a for the show, knowing that it's kind of been a little bit of a downer recently, and B to end up fighting obviously at the end of it i think a great one and the problem is no one wants to see the fight at the end but for entertainment value i think um kamaru colby would be one that everyone's kind of always wanted just for entertainment value not like the fact that people want to see that fight for a third time even though they do i mean i'd be fine seeing that for a third time but um kamaru colby's a great one um aljermaine piotr jan would be cool um, but I don't know. That would be an interesting one. I don't know. I think you can't go wrong with any of the lightweights. Like, obviously, Charles Oliveira, there's a little bit of a language barrier. Well, but maybe, maybe Charles- him not holding the belt right now, you get a chance to do, like, a Poirier Gaethje and then have them headline a, a non-title pay-per-view card. Yeah, Gaethje's already done it. You, and the thing he did Charles- it with Eddie Alvarez, like, long ago. I, know. I feel like the it's thing with too, The thing with Charles, too, would be – It'd be Charles Islam, and it's like you just have to sit there with a dictionary while we watch. Like, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, you've got Brought guys you that have enough of their own star power in Poirier and in Gaethje that without a belt on the line or a title fight at the end, they could still sell a, a pay-per-view that's a tough finale. Right, right. But, yeah, I mean, it's all speculation, and, and I think if we had to assign a percent chance it happens, I'm putting it at 5%. We get a, a Khabib Tony. Because Khabib just doesn't need the money and he's not really interested. And it's like, I know it would be sweet and the fans want it, but it's like, and it's also a very winnable fight for, I mean, Khabib's going to just move to 30 and 0 or 31. What about Gilbert versus Hamzat and just have Till in the room? And that would be be nuts. It all leads to a a five round rematch of one of the most fun fights of the year. That would be a nuts season. That would be nuts. 
Because you know, you know, Till would be in the room and just be it'd be lots oh, yeah. of jokes all the time. Till would be a Till would be a training partner. Uh, Kamaru might even be a training partner. To yeah, like yeah. Oh, yeah. Vicente Luque appearances. It'd be sweet. All right, not I. I'm done with tough because I watched the episode today and it was another just terrible one. <laughs> um. All right. Well, with that, we can kind of transition our way to this week. We have a little bit of interesting stuff midweek. Road to the UFC Singapore edition, which we've got what four divisions, eight fighters per division, Grand Prix style. Um one contract for each division and it's all top Asian prospects. Uh, we were talking a little bit pre-show. It's tough to have any kind of knowledge or tape or really any, any real insight on it other than, you know, midweek fights, high caliber. Do you even know if there's betting lines for these? I'm, I'm sure seeing odds on best fight odds. My question is, is this going to be like similar broadcast time to UFC Singapore where it's prime time mid fight week? Or are we going to like wake up and have breakfast fights on Wednesday? Could be either. I mean, way. it's Wednesday today. I, I mean, maybe I Thursday know. breakfast yeah, time. I don't know. Is it even on Tapology? I know that on. Or it is. I know on Tapology it has four separate times. Like each thing got its own fight. So I don't know if there's four cards or if there's actually just. Well, it's over two days. Know. It's over again, two days. again, not great promotional work out of the UFC, which is usually their best stuff. I don't think that many people know about this. Um. Oh wow. Okay. So. Wow. It actually looks like there's... It could be starting like right now. No, there's four episodes. The ninth... Okay, there's four episodes. One's the ninth, which is Thursday at 2.30 a.m. Eastern on Fight Pass. The next one is 5.30 a.m. Eastern on Fight Pass. So you're pulling an all-nighter to watch these. Then on Friday... It's the same thing. It's 2.30 in the morning on Friday Eastern and then 5.30 in the morning Friday Eastern, and they're all, like, actual cards. So it sounds like it's the next two nights. If, if you've got a, a love for fights and not much to do in terms of work during the day, it seems like a good thing to stay up and watch. Yeah, which if you got enough caffeine in your system to get that done. but Am I right? It's four divisions, though, eight fighters per division. So is that, what, 16 total fights over two days? Yeah, it's 16 total fights over two days. That's what it looks like. All in the morning. But and that's, they're all quarterfinals in, in all reality or whatever. Yeah, you want to call th- this is one where you just check the results. I mean, by the time you're listening to this, you probably already missed Thursday. <laughs> or you definitely already missed Thursday. So who knows? Anyways. Anything yeah, anything else? That transitions us to this week. UFC 275, Singapore. Two title fights, 12 fights total. And it's on, Danny mentioned, but you know, United States prime time. So 9 p.m. Central main card, 5 p.m. Eastern or 5 p.m. Central early prelims. Yeah, this one's definitely an interesting card. I think the main card's sweet. Um, the prelims are okay. We'll see. So the other thing too that I'm excited about when we get to the prelims is the Madalena line from when we set it is dangerously close to where I set it. And it's moved quite a bit in that favor. And I got hosed for making him the favorite. And I believe he's like decently sizable right now. But we got to start off with a couple women's fights. First one is Jocelyn Edwards versus Romano Pasquale, I believe. And I actually don't have best fight odds open. Do any of you guys have it? 
Uh, yeah, Jocelyn Edwards is around a minus 160 favorite. Uh, I'm seeing it all the way up at minus 184 at the worst and the best at minus 150 yeah. at that MGM. So it's 160, yep, 160 at five dents where we go, plus 140 Pasquale. You're right, it gets all the way up to 84. But, yeah, I mean, we've seen Jocelyn Edwards. We've I think we've even backed her before. Uh, or no, I fuck it, I don't know. But we've seen Jocelyn Edwards, who's on the ABC card. The other girl we've only seen, um, Roma Pasquale, we've only seen once at Featherweight, and she got worked over a little bit by a smaller Jocelyn Nunez. So the line doesn't surprise me, but I'm not going to pretend like I have a lean. I'm going system, women's dog, baby. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. This is a spot where I want to lean on the favorite because I think she's the more skilled fighter. But do I think that she's skilled enough to where I want to stake her and, and, and put some money on a favorite here? Absolutely not. We're going to play the woman's MMA algorithm system science. And um, Ramona Pasquale is the only play here. The only notes I really have is that she's the natural featherweight while Jocelyn's not. But I even kind of think that's a drawback. Like, Well, the other thing, too, is that fucked her. I mean, last time, Josie Nunez is actually a natural flyweight and still smoked her. I mean, the weight difference, when you go and watch, if you go and watch that fight, if you're a taper, like we are, the size difference is almost comical. It's actually like two weight classes off and she still gets pieced up. So we'll see. Um, but I, I definitely want to go dog. While we're talking about the dog system, Kobe, do we even update how we're doing? Technically, the system went 0 for 3 last week. We had two different fights with lines closing inside of 120 for your favorite. Mm. And so technically, those were both losses. But, you know, can't win them all. We're, we're, still up, we're still up nine and a half units on the year. Oh, wow. That came down a lot. We were up like 20 units last week. Five um, units. Late. Yeah. Okay. Well, nine and a half units is still nice. I Dude, I swore a dog won a minus 105 one last week. but. Whatever. Um, Sovina Gomez Suarez against Na Liang. And Na Liang is, has, she's fought just the once and she got finished by Carolosi when it was the first fight back when there were fans. So it was, that was the one, Dan, where like the fan was, or everything was erupting while she was getting just absolutely smashed. Uh, but Suarez Gomez in her own right is getting smashed in her last two. And the line here is Suarez or Sylvia Gomez Suarez minus 135, but she's across, she's as high as minus 150 on a lot of other sites. Um, Liang Na is plus 115. This is over at five times as always, but your lines may vary. Dan, same things living with the science. Cause I, I don't want to pay a uh, favorite price on, on Suarez. Yeah. Gomez Suarez is, is a good boxer, quick, heavy hands. I do expect her to have the advantage on the feet, but um if you look deeper at, at their records, there seems to be an opportunity to expect an arm bar from Naliang. Uh, Gomez Suarez has tapped, I think, her last two fights Ooh, in a row to yeah. arm bars, and Naliang has seven arm bar wins on her record. Like, it's her favorite way to finish a fight. Um, Gomez Suarez just has really suspect sub defense. And so I think that the MMA algorithm, the system, should be the play here. Okay. I love it. So back to back algo plays, which is the name of the game. Um, Kyung Ho Kang is fighting Dana Botgerald and or Botchery. It's a it's weird how they pronounce it. I always do it wrong. But uh Botgerald is minus 140. Uh Kung Ho Kang is plus 120. 
and that's kind of flat throughout every the you know all the sites then break it down for us man yeah i um yeah I'm, I'm a little torn on this one and i think this is ultimately going to be a pass for me um i i think that dana is a guy who i didn't expect to stick around in the UFC as long as he had, to be honest. I mean, he's, he's now been here for like three years and has no real signs of leaving with a decent record um, and actually looked good in, against Chris Gutierrez in that first round before he just got caught by the spinning back fist. But um, Kang has the recipe to really stifle his best weapons in, in, in that wrestling. Kang can wrestle for days if he wants to, but he doesn't really have much of the other tools. I'm not so excited to back a fighter who I don't think is a complete fighter. Um, but I, I tend to lean on, on the King side at, at the slight dog price. Did you, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but what, do you remember what fight you taped for the King? Cause I watched that Honey Yaya one back and, you know, I was disappointed in those grappling exchanges. And I know obviously Honey Yaya is always threatening the sub, but it's a massive age difference. And I know that battery is not going to, put him in the same type of difficulty spots, but it concerned me that Kang is, you have to pay that favorite price on him. You know, I don't know if it's worth. Oh no, you don't. You're it's backwards. Yeah. Kang, you're going to slay dog. dog. Right. Okay. That makes it. Sorry. I got all backwards. So but yeah, a dog, I like him as a dog. You're right. My reading in between the lines on the Ronnie Yaya and Ricardo Ramos fights yep. is that those are really the only guys on his record that are real submission threats. And a guy like Kang, who's only a wrestler and doesn't have all that other tools and doesn't have the, really the high-level jujitsu practitioners to even train with, um, I think he was really uncomfortable to go there and uncomfortable to just really go all in in those grappling exchanges with guys he knew was better than. But, like, you look at the Brandon Davis and the Ping Wong Liu, I, I think guys like like what we're going to get, Dana Bat Durrell, who can't grapple with him, he's going to be really just willing to yeah. grind it out. And Bat Gerald really just hasn't shown us anything like you said. He's kind of just – I mean, he, he looks great. Um, it's just more like we don't know how complete he is. I want to see him actually get battle-tested. This prelim, Dan, admittedly might be my favorite. Um, Jake Matthews, the Celtic kid, is fighting this new-coming, active-as-a-motherfucker, Andre uh, Fialo. And the line's actually Fialo minus 150, Jake Matthews plus 130. And it opened at Fialo minus 170 and has come down to 150, which makes me a little bit feel a little bit better. But dude, I like Jake Matthews here. Am I off base for that? I think Jake Matthews is incredibly well-rounded. His he brings in different levels to the game that we haven't seen out of Fialo. We've only seen Fialo's striking and power. And we're talking about a guy who out-wrestled Emil Mech, um, held his own kind of again, Sean Brady, the best someone can hold their own. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I have to admit, I like Jake Matthews here. I think that, I think that Jake Matthews at a dog price is a steal and you're getting, you know, you're, you're, you're getting an extra value because of the hype that's behind Fowler right now after those uh, two straight great performances. Yeah, I agree with completely everything you said. I think he's a live dog here. He absolutely needs to mix in his wrestling, but uh, to repeat what you said about Fialo, right now we've really only seen that he's got big power. I'm not ready to say his striking's elite, and um, I Matthews is really well-rounded. He's got the grappling. He yeah. can hang out in striking. He's a strong, strong fighter. Um, 
I, I think it's a good matchup, especially at the dog price. Yeah, and that's exactly where I'm at. I think this, so far out of everything we have said, um, this is the only one that so far is on my card officially. Is I think it will. I think it'll be on mine ultimately too. Yalo is a guy that's getting a little bit of a mini hype train because exactly. he's fighting so often and it's exciting exactly. first round finishes. But he's got none of the superstar skills. It's just I'm not seeing it. Exactly. Um, highest Sierra Masha Masha hates versus Stevie Garcia or Steve Garcia, and the line on that one is. Uh, Maha Shates plus 155, Stevie Garcia minus 175. Line opened at 40 minus 145 for Stevie Garcia and has been kind of smashed all the way to 75. We got a newcomer, um, versus a guy who what it has two, one fight, two fights in the UFC, two. Um, and one of them's a loss to Violent Bob Ross, the other one's a win over Auntie Barros, who's no longer um, in the promotion. So you know, for this card to be as high up as it is, honestly, this fight to be as high up as it is on the card is shocking enough. This is curtain jerker written all over it. But is there a betting angle? I mean, usually with these two, with these types of lines that are both guys are underwhelming so far. The other guy, I can't really speak on he's a newcomer, but there's usually not this big of a disparity in the line. So interesting to see Garcia is such a heavy favorite. I think it could be even bigger, to be honest. As much as Garcia doesn't have the UFC credentials so much, he had a decent time in the Bellator with a split decision, lost to Ricky Tercios. He beat Ronnie Lawrence, who's a terrific grappler. Um, he got beat by Elon Cruz, but that's another just good good matchup. And on the other side, Masahate reminds me a, a lot of like a wrong zoo kind of guy. It seems like he's got these credentials as I think he's a – former like Korean Muay Thai champion or, or some kind of he's, a, he's a, got striking credentials of some kind in a similar way that Rong Zhu did but he seems super untested and the guys he's beating on on this Chinese regional scene are like 10 and 12 0 and 0 0 and 2 yeah. 10 and 15 it's really only until he gets the contender series and it was an unimpressive unanimous decision win for me I I just didn't see much of anything that leads me to believe he's ready and, and that he would be on any card if it was anywhere else in the world. It feels it more really just like they're sounds, plugging a local boy than anything else. It truly sounds exactly what you said, a, a wrong zoo type situation. And they love to pack the local boys on these cards. Makes complete sense. Um, we'll see if Steve Car uh, Garcia can bring it. Are you on him in this fight or are you going to lay off? I'm going to have to look at the betting trends. I haven't okay. really seen and how the line's been moving. Um, They're moving towards Garcia, but who knows how much farther, you know? I'll, I'll probably get on it before it sees a two in front of it for sure. Joshua Koulibao is fighting Sengwu Choi, who I feel like we haven't seen in a little while. And Koulibao is going to be plus 190. Sengwu Choi is plus, uh, minus 230, open to 250, has only steamed down a little bit here. I mean, this is the battle of. I don't really know how, how to, how to, how to put it, but it's like Choi's coming off a uh, submission loss to Caceres who busted everybody's parlay, mine included. And, you know, you've gotten mixed results out of Koulibaly so far. I mean, Jalen Turner loss has aged incredibly. I mean, that's not a big deal, but you know, I'm, this one is the one that I think if I had to pick, I'm taking the dog and Koulibaly. Um, 
the size of the dog is honestly even better. And I'm not surprised the line is coming down. However, Wu Choi is in a weird spot where he's instantly finishing Julia Rosa, beating Yusuf Zalal, and then getting smoked by Caceres. That part is where I'm lost on him. But I think you pay the dog price here if you pick anything. Yeah, I don't like, I don't really have a strong play on this one. Um, I tend to think Kulibao is going to need to take down Sung Wu Choi, um, who has a lot of great Muay Thai on, on his end. And I don't know that he's going to be able to over the course of three rounds. He really struggled to take down Charles Jordan, who doesn't have the best takedown defense. But um, I, I don't want to back Sung Wu Choi at, at that price, and I won't even consider it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Not it's like not even up for talk. <laughs> do you see how do you see how large the belt is on Josh Kulibau and his topology picture? This DFC champion belt is absurd. like absurd. Absurd. It, it's absurdly large. Yeah, it is. But hey, I don't know if you can ever go too big. Belt buckles, baby. You guys are Texas guys. You know what you're talking about. All right. Prelim capper before we get into the main card. Brendan Allen is fighting Jacob Malcoon. And Brendan Allen is the definition of a mixed bag, especially for us, Dan. I, I cannot read this man, but he's coming into another massive line at minus 300. Malkoon is plus 250. The line opened at Allen minus 225 and has just been smashed up. And it, it comes down to the fact of what style fight is this going to be? Because that's really where we've learned. Brent. If, if there's any sort of power punching with takedown defense, Brendan Allen's in trouble. I think he even got dropped by Sam Alvey for a second. But if there's any sort of mutual grappling, it's hard to not back Brendan Allen. We saw the A.J. Dobson fight with Malkoon. We saw him weather uh, Abdul Al-Hassan. Where, what, what are we making of this one? I think it's hard not to be on the underdog again, at least at this line. But I also won't bet against Brendan Allen, so I'm kind of calling this one just a wash. This one, yeah, this one's a wash for me. I still just – you said we have trouble reading Brendan Allen. I still don't know how to get a good read on Jacob Malkoon. That he too. came in I mean, and he's yeah, supposed to be – he's supposed to be like Robert Whitaker's jiu-jitsu coach and he's got like ADCC jiu-jitsu trials experience, but he's also 26 years old. How is this dude Robert Whitaker's jiu-jitsu coach and he's younger than Robert Whitaker and mm-hmm. he doesn't show any jiu-jitsu in his two fights and he tends to really just wrestle and kind of hold people in top control and – I've just not seen it. I, I don't know what to make of him. I don't know if he's got the power that's worrying you and I'm worried about too that is uh, going to prevent me from any kind of Brendan Allen parlay. But I don't think that Jacob Malkoon is better than Brendan Allen anywhere. I think on the feet, Brendan Allen's going to have the advantage. And like you said, that's in any kind of mutual. But I don't it, disagree with you because Malkoon obviously plays into the fact of he's looking to grapple as well, which is the reason mm-hmm. why – but I just – I can't pay 300 on Allen, man. He's proven yep. that that's, that's too expensive a price for him. Yeah, he makes everything closer. At least he gives you a reason to be nervous in every single fight. Even Sam Alvey knocked down is where I'm like, I'm done. This is yep. too much of a sweat. I'm done. But smiling Sam Alvey lives to fight another day. So who am I on a six-fight skid and he's got another one booked? All right. Moving on to my favorite one now. We're, all right, now we're getting to the main event, and this is one that, Kobe, if you have it up, I would love to hear the numbers on where we set this spread at. I'm dying to know. But Jack Della Maddalena versus Ramazan Amiv to open up the main card, and the line currently sits 
as of recording at Jack Della Maddalena minus 152, Ramazan Ameev plus 132. The line opened at an exact flip. Ramazan Ameev minus 150, Jack Della Maddalena plus 130. The reason why I want to bring this up is because I got laughed at. I got laughed at because I had Della Maddalena as a favorite. Dan you guys both had Madeline as a favorite. Reese Wait, was Dan did too? Minus 190 for Reese, minus 120 for Dan. Hey, still closer. All right, who am I? <laughs> still closer. <laughs> but, yeah, this fight makes for a great one. And, Dan, I, if I recall from the set to spread, you were leading a meet. Yeah, I've completely flipped on that. I mean, <laughs> Ameev, a guy who, as much as, as I'm impressed by his wrestling or, or what he – is making his wrestling out to be. He's not a dangerous fighter. He's not going to do damage. He's not going to hurt you. I thought that Danny Roberts decision was bullshit, but um, it, it it was bullshit because Danny Roberts was doing the damage and Danny Roberts made it bullshit. Jack Dale Madalena is so much better than Danny Roberts. He's got yeah. better takedown defense, in my opinion. He's a much better boxer. I think his boxing is truly elite. Um and, and I, I thought he showed great enough takedown defense in that contender series fight over Angelusa that Amid's just going to get tired and this is going to be sweaty and Del Madalena is going to hurt him and hurt him late. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't disagree with any of those takes. The only thing I disagree with is, not disagree with, but question is, can we really say that Del Madalena's takedown defense is up to, up to snuff? That's my only thing. Because he's only fought Anglusa and Pete Rodriguez, and neither of those guys have the wrestling ability of Ramazan Amiv. And that's nothing against your take. You could be dead right. It's more just, have we actually seen it yet? Uh, no, you're right. But the feet, I agree with you. Delamantalina is going to murder him. It's just, I could see this being one where the first three minutes, Madalena looks incredible. Amiv gets that takedown, and then the rest of the fight just is, is ground and pound, you know, I think Della Mandalana is athletic enough where Amiv's not going to be able to hold him down easily and definitely not for 15 minutes. So it's got to be, if what you're saying is going to be the case, it's got to be a really strategic three takedowns and they've got to be like almost exactly like two minutes and 45 seconds left in each round. So we can just barely eke it out. But I think Della Mandalana is going to be able to at least get this back to the feet. If he, if it ever hits the mat. Well, good. I'm excited. Cause I, we, you know, it's a Madalena, it's a Madalena house in here. We all love them. Yes, sir. Ajario a Bontarine versus Manel Cape is the next fight up. And there's another incredible fight over at 25. Manel Cape was my dark horse who didn't even get odds on that to be holding belt by year end. He's minus 225. Bontarine, though, no easy out at plus 185. Line has stayed flat since open. I mean, I instinctually want to rely on Manel Cape, but. Since being in the UFC, he's looked much better as of late, but there's been conditioning problems. And I think Bontarine can truly grapple with the best of them. He showed that in the Brandon Ravel fight being a split decision. Um, and he was winning the Kai Car France fight before he got tagged in the first. So it, it's tough. It's a tough spot. I, I don't know what to make of this, especially at the line. I would love to hear your input. Because I think Cape is, is destined for – eventual title contention or in fact holding it. And I don't know if I see the same thing for Bontarine. And that's why I'm kind of like, 
It's just it's Manel Cape has left the door open. It could have been an easy one, but he's left the door open with the Matthias Nicolau fight. He left the door open with the Pantoja fight. So now I don't really know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, Cape has the skills to be elite and the pitfalls in him. I mean, just sometimes his unwillingness to throw. You mentioned a slight cardio issue sometimes. I think that those are more easily correctable things than, I don't know, a, a, a skill set deficiency. Um, and he, so he really does have all the tools. But you're right, Bonturin can grapple. And I expect from this fight him to come out and shoot early and often. I, I think that Cape's going to be a little bit caught off guard with how quickly he ends up on his back. And it's going to be interesting to see how he fights from there and if he can battle all the way back to his feet right away or if Bonturin's going to grind him. Regardless of that, I expect Bonturin to gas after 10 minutes of that. And I think that like there could Bontarine be an awesome live bet spot. Bonturin. Hmm. And I think, I think that Bontarine's going to come out and, and know that he needs to grapple. He's going to spend 10 minutes really grinding and shooting for every takedown, and then Cape's going to knock him out in the third. That's a risky proposition to be betting on a, a, a third-round KO, TKO, but I fucking love it, Dan, and that's a nutsack and a half. I will, I, not, I, I just, I will not be joining it. you in that, though. I will not be joining you in that, but I love it. Okay. Now, the, the, the next three fights are – I mean, it's a good, these are good fights. I'm excited for this fight. This next one, though, has fight of the night written all over it. Whaley Zhang, Joanna Young J checks her, her return. Number two. I, I, the, I, my words got tangled, but Zhang JJ two. And the line is I know we went over this on set the spread, but the line here is Zhang minus 160, JJ plus 140. And it's poised to be an absolute banger. You know, while we're here, just because this fight is this fight, the fight to go to decision is actually minus 240 plus 180 fight doesn't go to decision. So that's an interesting angle as well. I'm guessing we're going to see 200 significant strikes plus combined out of these two ladies. Dan, my only concern when looking at this one is Zhang won the first Zhang's been active. JJ hasn't been and has also discussed retirement and we've discussed this before the main example that we always use is Jukakian, where if you're in this sport and you're one foot out one foot in usually doesn't go well for you jj recently was talking about how this probably is her last run of fights in, in on her ufc con or like in the ufc and she's not looking to renew her contract you know she's been gone since zhang jj won um which is almost two years ago maybe more so for that, for that reason, I'm out. No, for that reason, I'm on Whaley Zhang. Now, I'm not going to bet it at the 160, but I, I, I'm hoping it comes down a little bit. Um, I don't know. Maybe I do take the 160 because I'm pretty firmly on Zhang here. I don't know if JJ is going to be – I don't think JJ can finish her, so the question is can JJ outpoint her? And two years off, I don't know. That's I think JJ is going to try to outpoint her for sure. I mean, my biggest pitfall, and I, while I see where you're coming from with all that, I really want to bet JJ as a dog here. I mean, I think that she's game with anyone and is one of the truly elite women's fighters that we've seen over the years. And um, although I think Zhongli Lee is also right on that fringe of elite, I don't know if I'm ready to say it yet. And I could eat those words and I could eat them bad. And 
what's really holding me back about pulling the trigger on JJ is the three round aspect of this fight. Looking closer at that, that first one, uh, Whaley kind of owned the first half of the fight and JJ came on towards the second half. And I think in a three round aspect, the power that Whaley has is going to be an even bigger advantage than um, it, it was in that first fight. I mean, we saw it open a big hematoma, but uh, in a three round fight, I think it'll be even more. I don't know. I think this one's going to be a pass for me. I tend to think that JJ is a dog is just a gift, but like you said, let me ask you a question. There's a lot of red flags in the outside the ring optics aren't great. If, if Whaley Zhang was the title holder right now, would this line still be 160, 140? Let's just say she got that nod over Rose. Because that decision I scored for Zhang. Let's just say she got the nod over Rose. It was a split decision. Is the line still 160, 140? Because I don't think it is. I think it's like a 250, 200. You're probably right. That's so, a good call out if you're if, – I mean, you know this I mean? is about finding value spots, and so that, that makes sense to me. Because it's just optics around it, you know, because Whaley Zhang, as far as we're concerned, lost to Rose twice. Um. And then Rose lost to Esparza and there's all the MMA math going on. And, but let's get, let's get to the next fight that isn't as complicated. Valentina Shevchenko versus Talia Santos. And the lines shockingly has come down from 800. Valentina Shevchenko minus 550. Talia Santos plus 425. For me, Dan, and I, I need this to be clearly stated, I will never lay a ridiculous line again after Nunez lost to, uh, Pena when I risked eighteen hundred to win two hundred, so never again. Truthfully, never again. And so with that, I'm not touching this thing. But it's impossible to not lick your chops at that Shevchenko minus five fifty. I don't know how it got this low. I don't think Talia Santos has fought anyone even close to as talented, and I don't think that people truly realize the skill gap between these two individuals. I might come out of retirement for that one. A little thousand to win 200 or something. We'll see. I just, after the, after the Amanda Nunes, the last thing I need is Talia Santos, Shevchenko, tough season where I have to be reminded every day. No, I think you're right. It, it, and you said it right there with who the hell is Santos fought to get this title shot. I mean, her best win is Meatball Molly. It's a good win, but it, it was also 2020. I mean, it's Meatball Molly, Jillian Robertson, Roxy, and Jojo Wood. To me, that, that doesn't earn you a title shot in, in no way, shape, or form. And this is the same woman who lost to Mara Barella. Like, are we kidding? No, no. Shevchenko, like, Shevchenko's, honestly, you could score her Nunes fights up at 35 for her. And she's a natural 125er. Nunes is significantly bigger. Um, and outside of those two Nunes losses, the only other one is Karamouche over a decade ago. 12 years ago we're talking about someone who's actually a certified killer um she beat juliana pena via armbar she's beaten she's revenged her loss against liz caramouche she's dominated the likes of andrage jennifer maya caitlin jukakian jj who's right under her here holly holm i mean it, it's 550 is just not enough i just i'm how about this for a line scared off Plus 160, Valentina inside the distance. Over on five dimes right now. Plus 160, you said? Plus 160 inside the distance. You like that. I do like that. I do like that. 
I'll have to see as it gets closer if it makes my official card, but that's definitely something I'm thinking about. All right, main event time, prediction time, because this one's wild. The, the ageless Glover Teixeira, who made none of our pound-for-pounds list, but is the current 205 champion. And has he defended? Yeah, against Jan. No, he stole it from Jan. His first title defense, and he's fighting Yuri Polhashka, 28-3, and absolute fan favorite. And knockout of the night. And here's what's wild. The betting line is Yuri Prohashka minus 210. Glover Teixeira plus 175. This opened at Yuri. Where did it open? Yuri minus 130. And it's steamed all the way up to minus 200. And Dan, I can honestly tell you from the absolute truth, I will be on Glover Teixeira and Glover Teixeira can win this fight. I, I agree. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second because the gravy train has to run out eventually on this 42-year-old crazy run that he's on. I mean, it, it feels like if you bet him in every single fight, you're getting dog price every time and he's cashing every time. Exactly. And meanwhile, he's getting lit up. And on the other side, you've got Geary <laughs> who, I mean, for, for less of a, for lack of a eloquent way to say it, he's making highlight real finishes every time he's in there. He, there's a reason why he is getting this shot, even though he's only fought two UFC fights. Um, it, it's been two highlight real finishes. The question is, if he can't finish someone who's been really hard to finish, he's, I mean, it, he gets dropped. And then the other problem too, huge question mark around grappling. Cause we haven't seen it. And I know that, that Yuri has a, a massive, massive resume i mean he's been fighting for a while and he's gotten a lot of fights in and rising however we're we're talking about a guy who only has what two ufc fights two both against strikers and so i don't know if i've ever seen someone catapult the rankings as fast i mean they have but it's very rare very few and far between michael chandler is one that comes to mind but it's rare and we're talking about a guy who we haven't really seen if he can grapple with the best of them. I think Glover wears on slots, a couple punches here and there. But if Glover grabs a hold of, of Yuri, I think it's going to be a, a fish out of water, a dad rolling around with his boy. You know what I mean? It won't really be close. And that's my guess. And I think that Glover plus 175 to defend this title is a steal, a true, true steal. And I think Glover by submission plus 370 might even be more of a steal. I'm seeing it all the way up at 420 on FanDuel. Talk yeah, about a I mean, crazy number. I mean, if you're getting if you're getting the current champ who is a 15th degree black belt, is subbing Jan Blahovich, who's a better grappler, at least that we've seen, than Yuri Prohashka, at a four to four point two to one. I mean, dude, it's, it's, here's, it's here's crazy not to take it. Here's my question on the main event. I know you're only playing devil advocate, but let's just, let's continue with this. Let's say you're playing devil's advocate. How can you convince yourself to place minus 210 on Yuri Prohashka? Because he wonks people. <laughs> and, 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 and in all likelihood, I have another play though. In all likelihood, if he's going to win this fight, he's going to go in there in the first 10 minutes and bonk 
Glover to the point where the 43-year-old can't get back up. And so I'm looking at an under two and a half at minus 170 that I also think is really attractive. Maybe you get the double dip of the plus 420 and a, and a under two and a half, get Glover sub. The last time Glover was knocked out was by uh, Gustafson in 2017, five years. Do you know what happened? Or all that, all those fights before were before his big change that led him on this run. I, dude, I think Glover walks through him, gets a hold of him, and then all of a sudden it's it's game over, and and that's it. Kobe, what do you think about all that? I mean, you're a casual. You know both these guys. You're someone who hears us talk all the time. Where's your head at? I would I would be lying if I said – I don't know. My take is that I'm thinking about this fight and I see Yuri's hand getting raised at the end. Regardless of what the number says, I, you want the guy that's going to win the fight. But I'd be lying if I said that I thought something different going into that uh, Jan Blachowicz fight too. So I don't right. I, or or what about the Diago Santos fight or the Anthony like it's crazy because I haven't really wanted to back Glover for a long time but the question is when are we going to be like fine he is he is a true revived forty two year old is it all the age stigma probably I, here here's my final take on it before we close close this podcast with a poha I think that that this is your stereotypical trap where no matter how it happens, and you could be right, Pohashka, you see him winning, holding his hand up at the end. But no matter how you see it happen, you're getting value on Glover. It's a hype train who had a universal knockout that's been played 10 million times against a guy that every single person's um, sentiment around is down. He's old. He's lucky. He's 43. He's this. He's that. I've I've never seen a disparity this big in hype versus versus hype on a younger guy versus slander on an older guy when the older guy is is as talented and, and is proving as much as Glover is. So it's hard for me to back Pohashka. I'll be on the old guy, but as you know, because I'm an old school guy, I usually get caught up in that kind of shit. So we'll see. We will be live or at least have something out for us finalizing our cards Saturday morning. Um, the late, whatever, later than normal for the Eastern part of the world. Start time will be, we're a big fan of. We'll be able to get something out for you Saturday morning. Looking forward to it. And back to regularly scheduled program. We got UFC Austin coming up the following weekend. Can't yep. wait for that one. Should have all four ankle pickers around for that one plus we've got pfl content coming out next week dan and reese will be in atlanta can't wait for pfl what pfl 4 2022 is that how they do it that is how they do it uh reese yes not... well, i was thinking you you haven't talked that much you do it i know i've been a little mi get go before you do it channel your most gilbert burns could possibly get i mean i was thinking i was going to channel my inner yuri Pohaska. there you go Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.